This is the Padre Peregrino podcast, theology from a wandering priest where you can learn scripture from the fathers and traditional catechisms for free. Join Father David Nix here for shows on church reform and world politics, all from the point of view of apostolic Catholicism, the original founded by Christ. Well, it's Father David Nix on the Padre Peregrino podcast. This is Theology and Current Events, TCE, number 50, Interview with a Green Beret. Today I have with me John Frankman. I'm going to read you his CV here. John Frankman was a captain in the Army who served as Green Beret assigned to 7th Special Forces Group. On July 1st, he voluntarily separated from active duty after eight years. July 1st of what year? This year. This year, 2023. On July 1st, 2023, he voluntarily separated from active duty after eight years due to difficulties surrounding the COVID-19 vax mandate. Before going on active duty, he spent four years in the Catholic seminary studying for the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. and the military archdiocese before discerning that God had different plans for him at the time. He entered active duty as an infantry officer and completed the infantry basic course leadership, basic officer leadership course, airborne school, and ranger school. After serving as an infantry officer, he was selected to attend the Special Forces Qualification Course, where he also completed the SERE School, Survival, Evasion, Resistance, and Escape, and completed the Military Freefall Course. Of all his military accomplishments, he considers refusing the immoral and illegal COVID vax his proudest moment. He's currently completing his MA in Systematic Theology. And even though he's a former captain, I'm going to call him Captain He's a great hero of our country. Captain Franklin, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Father. It's good to be here. Great to, uh, great to have you on the podcast. So one of the things I learned last night when you and I were having dinner with our uh, mutual friend Michael and Francis there is I had thought that, mm-hmm. that um, special, force or special Operators was a single umbrella under which we had Rangers and all these other different groups. Or rather, I thought Special Forces right. was, the, was the umbrella for all spe- Special Operators. And you corrected me and said that Green Beret is essentially tantamount, Green Beret equals special forces. Special operators is the umbrella, but special forces specifically only means Green Beret. Am I correct on that? That is, that is correct. You have special operation command under which every branch of the military service, so Air Force, Army, Navy, all have their own special operations. So Navy special warfare is the most well-known. That's the Navy SEALs within Army special operations or U.S. Army Special Operations Command, Green Berets, Rangers, uh, SOAR, which is uh, Special Operations Air Regiments. Okay. Yep. Very good. Now, let's let's talk a little bit about your life before we get to what you just said was the most proud moment of your career. A lot of people would think that's the most shameful moment of someone's career, but I think as we're seeing the outcome of the last three years, most moderates are going to come around to see that. But before we get into your mm-hmm. separation from the military... Uh, you as a captain, as a Green Beret Special Forces guy, tell tell us about uh, you're you're a convert to the Catholic faith. That is correct. I'm a convert. Tell I, us about that. Sure. So, I was born in Los Angeles, and parents split up around six, and that was definitely difficult for me as a child. But for whatever reason, I always believed God existed, mm-hmm. and just remember praying to Him on an evening basis. And when my parents were split up, my mom would take me to whatever Protestant church, maybe about once a month. And when I lived with my dad, it was great lived with him in the summers. He would take me on a weekly basis to a Presbyterian church he was attending at the time. And then I lived with him when I was 12 in seventh grade, and he took me on a weekly basis. 
And after going back to live with my mom uh, on the East Coast, uh, she was then married to my stepdad, and they were going to church more frequently. So it started at an Episcopal church, baptized there. And then at 15, praise God, my mom, she was working uh, for the Archdiocese of Washington Catholic school system, and she did not like the public school I was at, so transferred me to St. John's College High School in D.C., and I just kind of had this curiosity and desire to figure out, well, what church should I go to? And there's a Catholic church nearby, so I started attending that. And for whatever reason, there was just some kind of spiritual element to the Mass that I had not seen, even in an Episcopal church, which is supposed to be liturgical as well. Mm-hmm. And another interesting point with it is, you know, pray for the priest, but it was not the best liturgy I've ever been to. Knowing what I know now, if I went there, I'd probably be appalled. That priest, he unfortunately left the priesthood, so mm-hmm. we'll pray for him. Uh, but it just helps me to not be such a stickler or, or, or to just understand God's grace can work through very yeah. human instruments. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then after high school, what did you do university? So after high school, I at first went to uh, USMA prep school, so U.S. Military Academy okay. prep school, in the hopes of then going to West Point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for whatever reason there, just a little bit uneasy and decided that I would rather go to a religiously affiliated school and do reserve officer training corps. So okay. there's different ways of commissioning in the Army. You can go to a service academy, you can do reserve officer training corps, ROTC, or you can enlist and then then go that way. So I went to Wheaton College, which is a Protestant evangelical school, mm-hmm. and that was a great experience. I was challenged in the faith a lot as kind of a new Catholic and having not been through the best RCIA program, okay. it was a great opportunity for me to then dive down, read those Scott Hahn books, read the Patrick Madrid books, understand my faith better. And it was then that I started thinking of priesthood the first time. And were you getting challenged by Protestant evangelicals at that school? I was. There were some who were challenging and others who weren't. And I think when you go to a religiously affiliated school, you do so because you have some strong convictions. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm half joking and half serious when I say I want to write a book about all the evangelical girls that made priests out of lukewarm Catholic guys that were dating them. She challenges him. He has, he kind of gets backed into a corner and then has to do all of his research. That's funny. So there's a lot of guys who've become priests because they were dating an evangelical girl. They think they're going to get married, and then he falls in love with Christ and the Catholic faith and then becomes mm-hmm. uh, a priest. So, yeah, Protestants have helped a lot of Catholics. And I would even say our current crisis in the church right now, everything happening in diocese and the Vatican, it's really bringing forth tons of Catholics to learn the faith because you know, there's as many opinions out mm-hmm. there right now as there are priests. So lay people now have to to go Google what did the Catholic Church always teach on this? Not right. not the ten different opinions that I've got from ten different priests. I have to go research this. Yeah. So Captain, last night I asked you how you went from Army to Green Beret. You gave me a really great long explanation. Can you give us like the two to three minute version of that? Sure thing. So after leaving uh, the the college or after graduating college, I did ROTC, so I was a second lieutenant in the Army. And because I was going to seminary, my plan was to fulfill that commitment as a chaplain. Now, having discerned out after four years, I still owed the Army four years of active duty service. So the Army, they assigned me to the branch of infantry. And I found that out Easter Monday, so felt like it was a great gift from God, yet he still was trying to challenge me, that he loved me, but he wanted to challenge me. So I go through all the infantry training starting September of 2015, going active duty. So four months of the infantry basic officer leadership course. Then I get assigned to go to ranger school and ranger, there's ranger school and then there's ranger regiment. So went to ranger school, became okay. ranger qualified, then went to airborne school. 
And then I went to my first unit, which was out in Fort Carson, Colorado. So um, went to yeah, 4th Infantry Division and got to go to Immaculate Conception out there, which was fantastic. And, yeah. and probably if you've already left seminary by this point, you had no idea there was a scamdemic or pandemic, what do you want to call it, coming down the pike. So at this point, since you had left seminary, did you expect to have a military career the rest of your life? I wasn't sure if I wanted a military career the rest of my life, mm-hmm. but I had to fulfill the obligation. I thought that was just a great way to get started. Yeah. So it wasn't until actually I was accepted to later in the story teach philosophy and ethics at West Point that I thought I was going to be a career guy. Gotcha. I just thought I'll f- fulfill the commitment I have until the end and just kind of make an evaluation if I'm happy if that's what I think God wants me to do at that time. Okay. Tell us more about Green Berets. So I applied to go to Special Forces Assessment and Selection, SFAS, and that is a three-week tryout to just attend the course to become a Green Beret. So that was in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. I went there January of 2018 and was selected. So the first week is gate week. You're having different ruck marches, runs, obstacle courses, physical assessments, but you're also getting psychological tests. You're getting IQ tests. You do that the first week, and people are just getting cut just every day. Just yeah. numbers going down. I think about 35% of those who started finished in my course. So that week, the next week, you have land nav. The week after that, you have team week, which is carrying just heavier stuff than you just thought you would. What's for the worst night? You and I were talking last night. It's the, it's the overnight stuff that's the hardest. What was the worst night? I think the first night of team week when we were just trying to figure out what was going on, we had a lot of trouble. Um uh, just working as a team, so just stayed out later than we needed to. Ah, uh, yeah. Now, Green Berets, you're telling me about this is uh, unconventional warfare, and I think in the civilian sector, someone hears unconventional warfare, and well, there could be a myriad of images that come into one's mind, but there's a real specific definition of non-conventional warfare into which Green Berets are. Engage. Can you tell us what that means, unconventional warfare? So unconventional warfare is defi- defined as activities taken to coerce, disrupt, or overthrow an occupying power or government through use of an auxiliary, underground, and guerrilla force. So it's basically going into a country, partnering up with a partner force or some indigenous forces that have the same cause as the U.S. to help try to overthrow whatever occupying power or evil government. And because you had had some Spanish, they put you in the Latin American sector for this. That is correct. So this is a question, Captain, you're probably really tired of from a uh, anybody in the civilian sector, even though I'm a priest, technically I'm a civilian. Probably the Catholic world tries to connect with you on really corny stuff as far as like spiritual warfare. I mean, obviously both of us intensely believe in spiritual mm-hmm. warfare, but... It's probably very easy to make shallow allusions between a Green Beret and the the sudden interest in spiritual warfare. That is very real. Mm-hmm. But all cliches aside, what did you learn about fighting for your soul as you were fighting for your body in these nights where, or in some sense, are meant to make your body break down to see who makes it through it? In other words, what is a connection you found on spiritual warfare being a Green Beret sure. deeper than someone like me could explain. Yeah, I, I think you finding out just what you're capable of is, is something that you just discover and never really understood. So I think Ranger School was probably the most difficult uh, course I've gone to. And I talked to a buddy about it. It was pretty funny. We were comparing Ranger School 
we were comparing the special forces or social forces assessment and selection and SEER, survival, evasion, resistance, and escape, and mm-hmm. asking which would you rather do again if you mm-hmm. had to. And ranger school is for me absolutely at the bottom of the list. And that's something that's supposed to take two months, but you can recycle. You can fail because of patrols, because of peers, because of different spot reports. If you and recycle rules. means get you pooped start, out and then you put back in. You start at the phase that you you ended. I so see. there's three phases. There's the bedding phase, which has an assessment week, and then you do squad tactics. Then you have mountain phase, where you get into platoon tactics, but you're just climbing mountains, learning how to rock climb. Then you have the swamp phase, which is where I live and am stationed now, and you actually walk through some swamps, and. During that school, when you're in the field, you might get two to four hours of sleep a night and you eat twice a day and it's usually right before you go to bed and right when you wake up. So we kind of joke that it's a pleasure sandwich, yeah, just uh, food, sleep, food. And anyone who thinks they've done something physically tough, often I'll ask, have you ever like fallen asleep walking? Like, have you ever just like droned? Have, have you had that experience? Have you ever worked out so hard that you start smelling ammonia because your muscle is burning because mm. you just don't have any more energy reserves. And just tying that back, I was out of seminary and just very much in my faith as I am now and wanting to offer up a lot of that suffering in ranger school, going in with a prayer list, thinking, all right, I'm just going to tackle this head on, but just realizing, man, I, when I'm tired, when I'm sick, when I'm down, I just don't operate the best. And I could have been a better squad mate, platoon mate, et cetera, in different times. And there's just some basic things that I had to learn. But um, I think that repetition is a huge thing, that the more more times I repeated things, mm. the better it kind of like internalized. But yeah, it's just a battle and you have to just be singularly focused on, on yeah. what's what's ahead. You can't be thinking of other things. It's amazing how many saints made all, all night vigils several nights a week or every night. Um, not just the early church fathers, people like St. Ignatius of Loyola would just pray all night. Francis of Assisi was before the Blessed Sacrament all night, and obviously they're functioning on extremely high levels of grace. But but a lot of that grace came from the decision to stay up all night. It's not just sometimes people make yes. it like the saints were; uh, they were given something we weren't. But they and that there is a truth to that. But mm-hmm. they often obtain that through cooperation in grace and in highly penitential lives. Tell us a little bit about jumping out of airplanes in Arizona. Sure. So I went to airborne school after finishing infantry basic officer leadership course in ranger school. And that's just, that's just like 800, 1200 feet, that static line jumping. After finishing the special forces qualification course, I was able to attend the military freefall school. So the, so I went to military freefall March of 2020. So forgive me for not being as worried about uh, COVID or the invisible disease that uh, is so deadly you might not even know you have it. Exactly. Uh, but that was the first school I went to. So I went to that free fall school. And man, it's pretty wild because you have an altimeter on your wrist. Mm. And I just remember the first time going up in the plane, looking at my altimeter, seeing a thousand feet, 3,000 feet. We're so high. What do you mean we're going to 14K before we wow. <laughs> jump out? So that was a pretty wild, and every time you step up the profile, like the chill factor, like your your skin just kind of... The epi dump? Yep, yeah. You, you just dumped adrenaline. I think actually instructors at uh, Freefall School, they often have like lower T because they're just dumping adrenaline oh, all the time. Oh, I bet. Yeah. yeah. But it was a, it was a great school, uh, so nighttime jump is crazy. You might do that with, uh, with nods, night vision Amazing. devices, and... 
Yeah, so I go back. During the, they'll stay on your on your eyes at 120, 180 miles an hour. What's what's terminal velocity? 120 or 100? Depends so how fat you are. Are <laughs> uh, you sure? Because I think wind resistance actually keeps everyone about the same, doesn't it? No, no. it doesn't. That's what I thought too. Really? I was like, oh, I study chemical physics. Like, yeah. what do you mean people fall at a different? Are you saying that gravity is different? Mm. No, it just depends kind of on density. I see. And then it depends on how well you can. Uh, well, yeah. So whatever terminal velocity sure. is for a man your size, it's good. They stay on. They stay on. Yeah, you just you just pop them on, just have them up, and and you're you're good to go. Incredible. You're not like necessarily taking in the views as you're falling. It's more so <laughs> when you get under your parachute, you flip them down. You mm-hmm. you kind of like see and navigate where you're trying to go to. So let's jump into year 2020. Um, we all are getting afraid. Whether that was two plus years of being afraid or two days before you saw through the whole thing. I call it a scamdemic. I won't even call it a pandemic. So we're at the 2020 scamdemic and you are with the military. We all know the basics of Mm -hmm. what happened with the military, the forced jab, forced vaccine and everything. Tell us a little bit about your discernment on the vaccine Mm -hmm. and everything that was happening in the military. Were they a little bit later in, in approaching special forces guys as, say, just a, a lieutenant in the army on this? No, they were much faster and pushing it harder. Mm. And that's one of the things that was a little trickier with special operation units is that, let's say you're a private in a large infantry division. Your division isn't going to deploy, but every two years or something, okay. three years. It's the nature of our mission. So we'll go travel out to... South American, Central American countries for six weeks at a time every half year or however often. Yep. And the idea is we're, yeah, a very essential asset. So let's go in ahead and get these guys the jab so that they're good to go. And because the, the whole goal was to get as many people vaccinated as possible, it, it was whatever tool they could use to get you to get the shot, they would use it. The, and mm-hmm. it was, whether it was, legal, illegal, whatever kind of coercion they could get rid of. Amazing. And I think that on the officer side, it was the more kind of like cerebral, how can we shape this policy? Oh, let's make it so it's a deployment requirement. Oh, let's make it so... But we, before we get to the coercion, you you were open to it before I was, you knew right. what it was made from. Right. You were open to taking it. Um, tell us about that discernment a little bit before we get to the okay. coercion. Sure. So... 2021 shots available and I'm already tracking that it uses aborted fetal cells. Okay. And I'd mentioned that I'd been in seminary and my understanding at the time was it was remote material cooperation and that I know that there's babies involved in it. That's not a good thing at all. Yep. Hey, there's a baby from the seventies. That was my thought in the past Mm -hmm. that was, was killed. Unfortunately, I don't know the circumstances, but it seems as though the church is more or less allowing for it. Mm -hmm. I don't quite feel comfortable. I'm going to keep praying about it. The Vatican said it would be an act of love to take it. Yeah, and you know they were wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's right. In that they're wrong, and you know, and we both can get into how, but but I I just continued to kind of pray about it and think, well, weighing the goods of this this baby's death, my job, I'm like, well, I can't I can't do it just because I think my commander's going to think better of me. Yeah, and I don't think I can do it if it requires me losing a mission, maybe if it's losing my job and getting mm-hmm. reprimanded. But I kind of continue to seek more advice, continue to pray. I read Father Phil Wolf's article, and I talked to a really good buddy of mine who, he's the family that really, really likes me and excited I'm here right now. Oh, cool. But he's out, yeah, in Washington, and he just crushed it, and they're, but at any rate, 
we're, we're kind of discussing it with each other and seeing that it's not just the murder of the mm-hmm. unborn child in the 70s. What it also is, it's the continued theft of the baby's body parts that we have no mm. rights to. Mm-hmm. And I heard Father Ripperger say that he, that was originally in Father Wolf's art, uh, art, article, though. That's where I believe I saw it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I definitely copied a little bit from my friend's religious exemption and to understand yeah. that. And another point that my friend had made was that when a service member dies overseas, we do everything we can right. to bring their body back and Absolutely. inter them. And that's because the body is something sacred. I mean, if you're a Christian, you have the indwelling of the Trinity within you. Yeah. But if not, you still have the capacity and you still have an eternal soul. Yeah. So it... I'm yeah. amazed that, you know, and we're a Protestant country, not a Catholic country. So I'm all, every time I watch like a military documentary, I watched one recently called Citizen Soldier. Really interesting documentary. It's a group of uh, men from Oklahoma in the National Guard. So these, these men aren't professional soldiers. And they had to go to Afghanistan. So you have mm-hmm. men with minimal training had to go on to uh, basically guerrilla warfare uh, into Afghanistan. And, and at least one of them dies. And the fact that they will risk life and limb, not just for a fallen live soldier, but even risk mm-hmm. life and limb for a fallen soldier shows that even a Protestant country, even before we get to the, the sure. topic of Catholicism, even a Protestant country understands you do not leave a fallen soldier behind. Right. And, and the, other, the other piece to not only just the, the murder of the baby's body part, murder of the yeah. baby, the theft of its body parts, I was very blessed to talk to um, a, a mutual priest we know who really helped guide and was very strong on this. And the understanding that it's, it's grave matter with regards to the abortion, mm-hmm. but it's also a sin against prudence. And I remember just going back to the catechism. How is it a sin against prudence? It's a sin against prudence because another definition of sin is an act against reason. Mm-hmm. And you can go into thou shalt not kill. That means you don't give yourself self-harm either. And these shots just, they're not safe. And we knew they weren't safe. Yeah. Early on, I was thinking I had maybe one conversation with my commander where he's like, oh, have you gotten it? Just kind of being coy. And cause, and I, yeah. I appreciate that. And then why not? And saying, well, you know, there's the vaccine advance. Uh, vaccine adverse events reporting system has already documented 3k 5k whatever it is deaths mm-hmm. associated with a shot oh. yeah and you've read uh, defending the constitution behind enemy lines by rob green mm-hmm. he calls that therapeutic proportionality in there which is basically a risk benefit ratio of how much of a chance is this medical treatment gonna help me versus hurt me how much is refraining from it gonna help me versus hurt me and I would say the risk-benefit ratio was going to be a no-brainer from the start. But now a lot of people who weren't even conservative two years ago are now regretting having taken the vaccine because yeah. uh, it's it's pretty obvious that the vaccine has killed more people than the actual virus at this point. Mm-hmm. Now, last night when we were talking about this, one of the kind of coercive measures that was spoken to you, and if we can cut this part out if, sure. uh, if I'm not allowed to say this, but one of your uh, superior officers tried to say something along the lines, are you really willing to end your entire military career? Those weren't the exact words. How did, how did you want to put it? If you I, was, say it I think I was mark? told during a conversation that, hey, sir, this ain't the hill you want to die on. Yes. And to that individual, I say, hold my beer. And why, why did you just, I mean, here you are, uh, a Green Beret. You know, you could, I could make a really good argument to you to say, okay, 
you have all this Catholic education, you've been to seminary, you can evangelize all these guys. The American bishops told you to take this vaccine so you could shield your conscience in them under reduced culpability. Right. You could have stayed uh, as a special forces guy affecting all kinds of other special forces right. guy. You just take the vaccine or even just get a saline injection and fake it on paper, right. yes. as we talked about last night. Why do you think this was the hill to die on? if you could have stayed and been such a great influence as a Catholic to so many men in the army community. Right, and let's not forget, I would have been a philosophy and an ethics professor at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. Yeah, that was sort of the next step. That was the next step. That's what I was accepted to do. However, because my religious exemption was pending for over a year and Mm. they prevented us Mm. from moving, from traveling, Mm. etc. I mean, that's how they really smoked a lot of us out, even if they didn't deny the religious exemption. But... Yeah, to all of those questions, and it's something that it was an intellectual thing, but also a prayer thing and trying to understand God's will. And it wasn't revealed to me immediately. And I remember talking to a great priest who comes by sometimes on base, and he's like, you know, you'll know when you're supposed to know. And just just kind of continue thinking, praying. I remember just talking to someone and saying, you know, I I think I have just a peace about not getting this thing. Okay. And it's like, all right, (laughs) there you go. I have peace about it. But I did think, yeah, and it is possible to fake it. But mm-hmm. if we truly believe that this is a sin, mm-hmm. like truly believe it's a sin, for us to fake it would be the sin of scandal. I agree. We'd be giving the example and people would be, hey, that's John Frankman. He's uber Catholic. He went to seminary, but he got the shot. Cool. I'll go ahead and I'll get the shot. Yep. And then there's also, and I think that this might be the bad idea of thinking of it and maybe it's, it sort of helped me, but we can consider what is taking the shot, what is faking the shot, et cetera, like from mortal sin to like absolute perfection. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to think, well, within this, within this spectrum, maybe getting it for the sake of my career is the great matter and it's remote material okay. and I can justify that way. Or maybe faking it is I can tell myself it's mental reservation in some way, shape or form because it's not really a vaccine. So I'm like right. saying, oh yeah, I took the vaccine, In not quotes. a vaccine. For those on audio, he gave the quotes for that. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like, well, you know, why not just go for perfection? Like, yeah. let's just go for it. Right. And yeah, I don't know. It, it just, uh, just worked out and, and man, it was stressful. I think I was starting to get some grays in and yeah. And some people think you were kicked out of the military. That's not true. You recused yourself from continuing in the military. Uh, you were, you withdrew you withdrew from the military yourself because you saw where this was going. Mostly, it's, I lost yeah. I lost out on enough career opportunities. Okay. If I had been able to, I think go to grad school and I had made it. So I talked to kind of the philosophy mm-hmm. professor. I'm like, hey, how about these schools? And I applied to. It was funny, University of Saint Thomas in Houston, oh. Catholic U, yeah. University of Dallas. So sort of like moved the um, Oberson window where it's like, oh, I think that University of St. Thomas is a little too conservative. How about UD or CUA? Right. I, okay, cool. Because right. I've heard horror stories of guys having to go to like Boston College or That's where I graduated <laughs> Florida. From. Or, yeah, yeah, I graduated from philosophy. <laughs> well, it's, in, it's interesting you mentioned peace because you just took an eight-day silent Ignatian retreat and that's a big part of Ignatian spirituality is right. discernment. And it's, it's a lot more than feelings. It's, you know, intuition goes a lot deeper than feelings. And I think... When there was so much confusion around doctrinal teaching on the vaccine, I, I mean, I agree with you. I don't think it actually is that complex. Once, once we know it's made from aborted babies, that's a no-brainer. You just don't take it. But apparently, for most of the bishops and the priests of this nation, yeah. they got into the weeds of like trying to find a way 
legal loopholes to get people to take it. And that's where you were smart to, to look at uh, discernment of spirits. There's a priest on the East Coast, not too far from where you lived, who tries to play this game to say, well, Tylenol in water has been tested on unborn babies. So how is the vaccine different? How is the COVID vaccine different from like Tylenol that had also been tested on unborn babies? What's your answer to that? My answer to that is that water existed before we started sacrificing and murdering unborn children. The existence of water isn't contingent upon abortion. The yeah. existence of Tylenol, Advil, Motrin, these other things that are now tested on aborted fetal cells, but we're not even sure how frequently or which ones or whatever, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they are not contingent on abortion. You can't, you, we would not have these, these jabs right now if, it, if they were not tested on abortion, That's if right. they weren't made from the aborted fetal cells. It is just so intrinsically tied to it that that is where it's, it's just wrong. That's where you, you can't play these games. Yeah. And it also, even if it's the case, like even if let's say Tylenol Motrin was made that way, it's like, okay, then it's non sequitur. Then that means that's wrong too. And that's wrong too. Yeah. Like, it's like, Hey man, yeah. I just, um, but uh, tested yeah. on is different from created from that. I think sure. that's, that's the key to the answer right there. And as you saw in Rob Green's book, these were actually, I didn't know this until I got mm -hmm. to the audio version of Rob Green's book just a week ago. The COVID vaccine, COVID-19 vaccine was extracted or taken from uh, that which was extracted from live babies, not dead babies. I didn't know that. This was, this was made from live babies. And so it's no wonder. Someone sent me an article two days ago. Mm -hmm. There's a huge increase in leprosy, if you can believe it, for people that have had that vaccine. If something's based in death, it's going to lead to very strange diseases like leprosy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's potentially, you know, it's possible, but um, yeah. I, but we I, don't even yeah. need to have leprosy. Sure. The fact that it's made, you're right, the fact it's made from a border baby, that's all you really need to know. Sure. For me, the big thing was this was being pushed by Bill Gates, who publicly said he wanted to reduce the world's population by 2 billion people. That's how I knew this was a bad option, that all the people that were pro-death, pro-abortion, pro-transgender surgery for kids, all wanted you to take the vaccine. That's all I had to know, that this was a shot of death, not a shot of life. Right. That was my big telltale sign. I think how hard they were pushing it. Yes. The fact that they were, uh, and by that it's just the news media, the Democrat Party, mm -hmm. liberals, rhinos, whatever, yeah. were pushing it so hard and they were obscuring, silencing social media, silencing doctors who spoke anything yep. else who would speak against any kind of preventative uh, medicine such as hydroxychloroquine, yep. ivermectin. Sorry. I mean, that's insanity and it, it all just, once you get it, once that light bulb goes on, you're like, what the heck? We exactly. Since when has the government, especially the Democratic Party, been so concerned about the promotion of my health? Yeah. No way. And then the fact that the emergency use authorization, this was just, it's, it's hard to tell. And it's, it, sometimes it's good to go into conspiracy and try to see mm -hmm. intent and see how it works well together, especially as you're trying to shape and figure out how do you change the world. Obviously, first foremost, know Christ, love him, pray to him, mm -hmm. maintain that relationship. But if you're going outside of that sphere, it's, you don't necessarily need to go too far in, into intent, but you can kind of see what's happening. And by that, I mean, looking at the emergency use authorization. Well, that was only possible if these other preventative medicine, there wasn't anything else. And because it's EUA, it means that people can't sue if there's problems. 
and they get all kinds of funds, money from the government. So some might say that it's a conspiracy or plan to lower the population. Others might just say that, well, it's just, it's for money. It's, it's the great money, but it's good things that we need to be aware of. And I think going forward, hopefully people kind of, kind of wake up and, and can pray, get better elected officials in yeah. office to, to combat that. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, so feel free to disagree with me on this, but I look at how many good men and women got out of the military because of the vaccine, and I can't help but think, I mean, I was a mm-hmm. major patriot five years ago, sure. and I can tell you're, you're still a patriot. I was a big-time patriot five years ago, but I'm at the point where now I have to look at this and say, maybe in God's permissive will, maybe it was even his positive will, all these really great Christians left the U.S. military, sometimes forced, sometimes out of their own decision like you, I'm at the point where I tend to see, well, if we're such a corrupt nation and such a corrupt military, maybe it's a good thing that our best military members separated from the military. I don't necessarily think it's good because I think we do, we need good Catholics, good Protestant Christians, or or just virtuous people in every, every area. Yeah. And it's unfortunately that I left and it, for me, it was a careful, calculated prayer, prudence. I put my, mm-hmm. so my decision mm-hmm. to leave, it was made September of 2022. And it was kind of after a frustrating town hall with this general coming in. Okay. And, and I, I asked him a question. I just, if I don't say something, who will? You know, it's kind of motto. Mm. But uh, he's just taking questions. I asked, hey, sir, like two weeks ago, the CDC changed its guidance and said that people who are not vaccinated and shouldn't be treated any differently from those who are vaccinated. That said, there's 30 of us here who can't travel. We can't deploy. We can't move on to our future assignments. Also, I've had my religious exemption pending since last year in Mm. October. That said, is there any kind of discussion about dropping this mandate? And when are we going to hear about our religious exemptions? Okay. And he just gave me the company line of, have you heard of Novavax? I'm like, yes, sir. He uses aborted fetal cells. And like, he's just shocked that I knew that. Or I don't Mm -hmm. know. They didn't know this stuff. No. Well, I can tell from your answer you still love our country, so that's awesome, Captain. I really appreciate that. And and so really what I've learned from your last answer is you still are a patriot, you still love our country, but you love God more. Right, and for my particular instance, I thought that I could do more on the outside because having lost the opportunity to teach cadets philosophy, ethics, try yeah. to form them into metaphysical realists, I thought that if I don't do that, mm. I'm going to just be a company, be, not just, but a company commander or staff battalion commander with special forces really the action is at that detachment level so i felt like it's more a managerial role still a leadership role but just with where my gifts line up and i wouldn't say i was necessarily the best special forces officer i don't think there's anything marvelous that i would have added as a major in special forces that maybe somebody else wouldn't other than maybe the conscience and the the moral formation and so yeah i'm just seeing where god takes me now and and i feel as or think that this is what it is, especially given that I went on the Ignatian retreat, mm. that my article got published on the Feast of St. Ignatius. and In the Floridian? Is that right? In the Floridian, yeah. Okay. And it's just, everything's taken off since. And where can people follow? I know you just opened Twitter, so you don't have a ton of followers yet. Where can people follow you on Twitter? Well, first I'll say, don't follow me, follow Jesus. And if you do choose to follow me, my handle is Johnny underscore Franks. Okay. And I just paid my brother to help set up a link tree because that's how Great. tech savvy I am. And this article in Floridian... What would someone Google to find that? Uh, unvaxxed Green Beret pressured to leave the army. Okay. 
Yep. Okay. And Matt Gates, he's my congressman, and his office helped uh, help get it published. Wow, that's excellent. Yes, now he's following and, me. So. <laughs> okay, very good. And you've been on some pretty big shows lately: um, Stu Peters, LifeSite News. Who are some other other names? Doctor Jane Ruby, uh, OAN. Mm-hmm. OAN, that's a big one. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, you're getting some. Uh, uh, Bard FM. Yep. Good. Well, uh, Captain Franklin, thanks for your service to God and our country. I really appreciate you being on the Padre Peregrino podcast. We'll wrap up TCE number 50 here. Thanks for everything. Thank you for your priestly service, Father. God bless you. God bless.